This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News, Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. We are now finding out an Alabama connection to one of the U.S. military personnel who died in a helicopter crash in the Mediterranean Sea. Chief Warrant Officer Stephen Dwyer is a 2004 graduate of Enterprise High School. Dwyer leaves behind a wife and three sons that are living in Clarksville, Tennessee. The mayor of Enterprise, William Cooper, remembers Dwyer and told WDHN News that he was a student at the high school when Cooper was the assistant principal. Cooper urged prayer for the family in this time of unbearable loss. Dwyer went on to graduate from West Point in New York and deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. He became an MH-60 flight instructor and received numerous awards within the U.S. Army, including the Bronze Star. Dwyer was on board an MH-60 Black Hawk helicopter that had an in-flight emergency during training exercises. No hostile activity brought that aircraft down. Chief Warrant Officer Shane Barnes, Staff Sergeant Tanner Grohn, Sergeant Andrew Southard, and Sergeant Cade Wolf also died in that crash. Three of Alabama's congressional delegates voted against the funding of the FBI new headquarters that is to be built in Maryland. Congressman Mike Rogers, Dale Strong, and Congresswoman Terry Sewell did not vote for that funding. Strong felt that the FBI headquarters should be moved entirely out of the D.C. area and into Huntsville, as was suggested by Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan just a few months ago. Strong also told 1819 News that he is very aware that Americans are furious with what the FBI has been doing to Donald Trump as he runs in 2024. Rogers and Sewell did not release a public statement on their reasons behind their no vote. However, I just cannot pass up a chance to point out the incredible award-winning timing of this whole funding issue. Just consider this, that the week of, not months before, not a year before, but the week of the House vote on the funding for the FBI, there was also a release of an incredibly coincidental timed report from the mainstream media of the FBI busting up a prostitution ring outside of D.C. That brothel provided services to clients in high-end luxury apartment suites, and the clients turned out to be high-end customers, like politicians. The media reported that even members of Congress were caught up in this prostitution ring. All of this just a day before the funding vote. There were 70 Republicans who voted in favor of this funding of the FBI headquarters. The Republican Party as a whole has expressed far more outrage than Democrats when it comes to the tactics being used by the FBI against both Donald Trump, Trump supporters, and everyday Americans that go to school board meetings and traditional Catholic masses. So it's up to you to read between the lines why this sudden change and willingness to continue funding the FBI and not get on their wrong side. If there is one thing that FBI agents have learned in all of the work that they have done, it's certainly the ones at the high levels of authority. It's what a shakedown looks like and how to work with the media to produce one right before our eyes. And if you know, you know. A second Alabama congressman is joining Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia in offering a privileged resolution to impeach the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas. Congressman Dale Strong of Huntsville is joining Jerry Carl of South Alabama in supporting Greene's resolution. Strong says that the U.S.-Mexico border is the worst border crisis in history and that Mayorkas is denying that fact and putting millions of Americans at risk. In the fiscal year of 2023, border agents encountered 2.48 million illegal aliens, and that's not counting the ones that got away and were never spotted by agents. They also seized 27,000 pounds of fentanyl. 
This Monday started out with a Birmingham man being sentenced to 775 years in prison. Jonathan Lockett was convicted by a jury weeks earlier for being a serial rapist and torturer of his victims. Lockett's victims were often prostitutes, and Lockett used that fact in his defense to justify his actions as a business deal. Additional services are being offered in Clanton after a facility expansion at the Butterfly Bridge Children's Advocacy Center. The additional building will now allow for a pediatric forensic medical exam to victims of child abuse in three counties, Chilton, Otaga, and Elmore. Trained medical professionals will provide the exams at no cost to the families. A Fox News host is coming to Alabama. Brian Kilmeade will be holding a book signing at Page and Pallet Bookshop in Fairhope. That'll be on December 3rd. Kilmeade has a new book that he has written about Booker T. Washington, who was the founder and first president of the Tuskegee Institute here in Alabama. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news. The Washington Free Beacon is reporting on the use of taxpayer money to fund groups who openly advocate for the destruction of Jewish people. The report is regarding $300,000 that was given by the Biden administration to the Flint, Michigan Islamic Center. That center teaches that Jews literally live for the purpose of genocide of Palestinians. The center, along with others, are calling for the destruction of Israel and are praising terrorists and their actions. $100,000 or more of U.S. taxpayer money was also given to Islamic centers in Detroit, Michigan and San Diego, California and $450,000 to the Islamic Organization of North America. That organization just held an event saying that they stand with every resistance against Israel, whether it be Hamas or Hezbollah. The grants originate from the Department of Homeland Security and its nonprofit security grant program. More whistleblowers are talking to members of Congress about the FBI targeting former military members who are working within that agency for their political beliefs. This is with the goal of forcing them out of the Bureau. The Washington Times is reporting on the whistleblower disclosure, saying that they saw them before they were sent to the House Judiciary Committee. The whistleblowers say that when they were profiled as supporters of Donald Trump, they were then stripped of security clearances and sidelined from projects. The former military members were called disloyal to the United States and even called right-wingers if they refused to wear a mask or take the COVID-19 vaccine. The FBI is challenging the claims from the Washington Times and shaming that media group for running with what they called a demonstrably false allegation against that agency. Now is a good time to continue with the comments that were made by independent journalist Michael Schellenberger about the industrial censorship complex as detailed by a House Judiciary report on the weaponization of government. Schellenberger uses a training video created by Stanford University as a way of breaking down how government agencies from within the Department of Homeland Security have utilized educational institutions and other nonprofit groups to bring about the censorship and silencing of voices on social media platforms that did not comply with the preordained government-endorsed media-enforced narrative. So our team at SIO and CIS's team have done some pioneering work in partnership thinking about how to respond to mis- and disinformation in areas in which it can have significant harm. And just keep in mind, SIO is Stanford Internet Observatory. That's where their organization is based. I think it's also important to point out this point that Renee DiResta finally was forced to admit that she had been a CIA fellow and that was something that she had not publicly disclosed in any event. And it came out, it was discovered by Mike Benz going through many, many YouTubes where it sort of slipped out in some introduction that he made of her at Stanford a few years ago. But she was finally forced to admit that she has had this CIA tie for almost two decades. One of those areas is elections. And I'm going to talk about some learnings from work that we did on that topic today. 
So in August 2020, students from the Stanford Internet Observatory were doing an internship with CISA, and they identified a massive gap in the capability of federal, state, and local governments to become aware of, to analyze, and to rapidly respond to mis- and disinformation, both foreign and domestic, targeting the 2020 election. So this is a, I have to say, I don't believe this story that she's telling. So she's saying that the students at Stanford themselves just were like, hey, there's this missing role for some institution that should be involved in basically demanding social media censorship of information that we call disinformation or misinformation. I'm highly skeptical of that. It sounds like it came right from Renee DeResta or one of her colleagues, but that they're sort of putting on the students to make it sound like it wasn't part of some broader plan, which I believe has been going on here to increase government censorship of social media platforms. Now that gap had several components. The federal government wasn't prepared to identify and analyze election mis- and disinfo. So the first thing she says is, why do we need it? Because the government wasn't prepared to do it. They just didn't have the staff or the capability to do it. Okay, that's the first thing she says. And of course, those of us that believe in free speech are like, that's a good thing. The government has no capability to put pressure on social media platforms to censor Americans for their speech. Residents of San Francisco are enjoying a reprieve from the squalor and stench that has been entrenched on the streets in that city, with homeless camps being set up for years at this point. California Governor Gavin Newsom and San Francisco Mayor London Breed found the wherewithal and funding necessary to remove the tents and homeless people in order to clean up the streets ahead of a visit from the Chinese communist dictator Xi Jinping. That visit will occur this coming Wednesday. So the streets of San Francisco, at least for a, a few more days, are clean as a whistle, with fencing all around for security measures as well. Newsom even acknowledged that all this work, that apparently no one else had time for up until this visit, was in fact done specifically for the communist Chinese dictator's visit. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true, because it's true. But it's also true... For months and months and months prior to APEC, we've been having different conversations. And we've raised the bar of expectation between the city, the county, and the state, and our, our federal partners as well, that we all have to do more and do better. Joe Biden will be flying to California to meet with the communist Chinese dictator. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. If you are enjoying The Daily Detail and want to make sure that these reports come up easily on your smartphone, then be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button on whatever podcasting app you are using. It's usually on the main page of The Daily Detail. That could be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbeam, or some other app. And also be sure to visit 1819 News for more reliable, up-to-date information on what's going on around here in Alabama. You can also join 1819 News by becoming a member, which will get you exclusive content as well as 1819 merchandise. You can visit 1819news.com backslash membership to learn more. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 